So I've been very fortunate. I've got a good friend here, Julian. He's from Kent. Um, um, he's from Maidstone, a church I used to have 10 years ago, I think. It was 10 years ago now. It seems a long time coming up. Yeah, so I'm getting old now, yes. They can't agree here. Um, but Julian's been came came up about a year ago to see us when we just moved, and I said, he's a preacher down in Kent. He's a fantastic preacher. I said, why don't you come up and preach? And I've been trying all year to get him to come. And um, this this Sunday, I was looking for a preacher because I was supposed to go in for a procedure in the hospital. And um, so I wasn't sure if I was going to preach or not this Sunday. So I said to Julian, can you come this Sunday? I didn't have the procedure after all, but I said, well, I didn't, I didn't tell him that. I said, still come anyway. So he, he's came up to help and to, to bless me this Sunday and to bless you. And I believe he's got a word from God that is going to challenge us all in Jesus' name. So can I just um, pray for you? So, Father God, just pour out your Holy Spirit upon Julian, Lord. Bless him, Lord, and, and may he speak the words that you have given him in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, good morning, everyone. Um, I am deeply honored to, to be here with, with you all this morning. To be honest, there was, we were originally going to, going to be speaking from, from Daniel, um, but... I just want to ask, can, can I speak to you from the heart this morning? I want to echo the words that um, Alma shared. Her testimony is so close to mine, it's not funny, except I didn't come from Gambia. I, um, I was actually born in, in Croydon, in Surrey. Uh, my parents are both Jamaican. Um, they moved back to Jamaica when I was about six months old so I grew up in Jamaica and um, again I suppose one slight deviation from Alma's story is that whereas her parents she grew up in a Christian home uh, it was myself uh, my sister and my mum were the Christians in the family my dad sort of held out for a long time but you know growing up going to church going to Sunday school um, again, getting all of that, the seeds that were being planted. And again, I say, you know, as, as parents, you know, get your kids into Sunday school. Get your kids into wherever they can receive those words. It, it pays dividends later. Um, I certainly bear witness to that. So, you know, my, I tell my kids, you're going to Sunday school whether you like it or not. Um, so... My story changed when I, I moved back to England. I decided, well, I was born in England. Let me go over and see what life is like here. And so um, I moved to England um, in 1995. And living here, it was, it was quite different. I mean, yes, I was awed by London and awed by... You know, living in a first world country and, and all that that meant. Um, there were some cultural differences. I won't go into those. But when I was separated from my home, as it were, I had freedom to do what I wanted. And even though I was still, I, I started attending a, a, a church that was affiliated with the church that I grew up in in Jamaica. 
I was not living as a Christian should. I was the quintessential hypocrite. So, um, if we're talking sex, drugs, lying, all that sort of stuff, I was into it. And I was still going to church on a Sunday morning. And I was still going to the groups and all that sort of stuff. And that continued for some time. And it so happened, I ended up in Maidstone because I pursued um, a degree in film and video. Because that was an interest I had. And while I was there studying, a friend of mine from London invited me to come to London to film his, um, his son's christening. In those days, before everybody had their smartphones, you needed somebody with a, with a video camera to do these things. The older heads will know what I'm talking about. So, I went along and I filmed the procedure. And it happened to, to take place in the church that I used to go to in London. And then, after they had that, that bit of the ceremony, there was, of course, the message. But the message was not being given by one of the people I knew. It was being given by some preacher that I'd never heard of that got invited to come and speak that day. So, anyway, I'm sitting down there, and then there's a voice in my head that said, listen to what this guy is going to say. And I sat there and I listened. And I don't know if, if you can think back to when you were a child and you were being told off. And you, you're getting smaller and smaller and you're sort of shrinking in your seat. That's how I felt. To be honest, I can't remember the words that the guy said. But all I remember was that feeling that this guy is speaking to me. And I, I was convicted. But I knew the format of that church, and it was slightly different to, to the Methodist church, because in, in that tradition, what you do is, you have a message, and then you have an altar call. And, of course, I knew this was coming. But in my head, I said, well, I am already a Christian. I had committed myself to God from when I was about 12 years old. I had, you know, made a confession, been baptized, immersion, all that sort of stuff. And so, after he preached, and there was an altar call, and he said, you know, is there anybody who would like to commit their life to God? You know, would you like to come forward? And, I, you know, I said, well, that's not me. I'm already a Christian. So, I sat in my seat. Then he said, is there any Christians? You know what's coming next, don't you? Is there any Christians who have wandered from the way a bit and want to come home. And I was caught. At that moment, I had a decision to make. Do I sit where I am? Nobody will know the difference. Do I sit where I am and just let it pass over me? Or do I get up out of my seat in front of people who knew me Walk forward and acknowledge that I needed help, that I needed Jesus, even though I was a Christian. But it, the decision
position was almost taken out of my hands because my feet started walking and I just had to follow them. So I ended up at the front and that changed my life. And funny enough, this year is 20 years since I made that walk down the aisle. So here I am today. And you might be wondering, what have I got to say to you? Well, before I go into that, and I suppose, Alma, maybe you should become a local preacher, because if you're a local preacher, you can get to speak for as long as you like. Well, not, not as long as you like, but hey. Um, before, before I share with you what I think God is, is telling me to tell you, um, I just want to let you know a little bit more about me. Of course, I'm here with my youngest daughter. You might have seen her toddling around in the fluffy pink thing. Um, my wife is at home with um, our other two children. I have um, a son, Justin, who is 18. I have another daughter, Gabriana, who is 12. And they stayed behind. My mother-in-law is visiting us from New York. So, so they stayed in Kent and... Kira and I made the, the somewhat long journey to come to Derby. And I only came up last night, and this morning I got up and I had, I, as I often do when I'm, when I'm preaching, I like to, to go for a walk and just walk with God. So I, I got up and I walked around your neighborhood. And it's funny because there were so many similarities that I saw between Derby, or this part of Derby, and Maidstone, or, well, Ditton, which is a little village close to Maidstone, where I live. Um, I, too, live close to a hospital, Maidstone Hospital. Um, I, too, have an Aldi within walking distance. Um, I also saw that, that chimney by the hospital. I, there's also a whopping great chimney near to... Um, near to us. It's actually where, near to where my wife used to work, um, but that's an incinerator, and somehow I don't think that chimney at the hospital was an incinerator. Um, and as I, as I walked around and, and walked past this church, and I remember um, just looking at, at the sign out there and just saying, seeing that your, your words, actually, let me just... Uh, refresh my memory here. These words might sound familiar. A Christ-centered church in the heart of the community. And I think that's awesome. That is awesome. Because I believe everyone needs Jesus. Everybody. No exception. But does everybody have Jesus? No. And I know because I was once a Christian, warming the bench in a church, but I didn't have Jesus. I was once a person who knew of Jesus. But I was always amazed when people used to talk about Jesus as if Jesus was right there with them, like, you know, I'd like you to meet Jesus. Jesus, my friend, my friend Jesus. And, ooh, okay. That's not, that wasn't my experience. I didn't know Jesus to that extent at that point. 
But I do now. For 20 years, I have been walking with Jesus. And he has shown me so many things. And there have been so many challenges. But then almost we forget, we forget just how much is being asked of us. So instead of looking at Daniel, let's look at um, the book of Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter 3. I don't know if it's going to pop up on the screen. There we go. Matthew chapter 3 verses 5 to 11. And this is, of course, John the Baptist beginning his ministry. And John the Baptist was, was a bit like me, a bit weird, you know, a bit out there. Um, but very very focused, very aware of the calling he had to go and prepare the way for Jesus. And it says um, that people went out to see him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, you low down dirty snakes, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the tree. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not even fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, What we have there is a bit like what we've got in church today. And when I speak of church, I'm speaking widely of the church, the church in general. What we have is almost two camps. You have the camp of the sinner. The camp of the sinner who says, I need Jesus. I need God. And I'm aware of my situation and I need a savior. I need to be delivered. I need for my life to change. I need something and the world is not giving me what I need. Then you have another camp which is the religious people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, who they think they've got God. They think they are doing the right thing. And notice the emphasis on doing. They were into a lot of doing. They were into a lot of praying. You know, they could pray for weeks. They could do all sorts of nice and lovely stuff. You know, having, you know, outreach and camps and all that sort of stuff. And they were very much interested in getting people in. 
But why were they interested in getting people in? It wasn't because they wanted to say, well, here's my friend, the Messiah, or here's my friend, Jesus, and do an introduction. They weren't interested in that. All they wanted were bums on seats. And John says, you low-down dirty snakes. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And believe you me, people, there is a wrath to come. Wasn't it Jesus himself who said that people are going to be saying to him, Lord, Lord, did we not, you know, heal the sick? Look after people in, 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 in hospitals and visit those in prison and all that sort of lovely stuff. Didn't we, all, didn't we do all of these things in your name? Jesus isn't going to deny it. But the issue is that they did not know Jesus. They were not in close. They did not have that personal relationship with Jesus. And that's my point. If you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus... My friend, you're in trouble. Because religion cannot save you. Coming to church cannot save you. This building cannot save you. Gary can't save you. Jesus can save you. I like to look at it and and say, you know, lots of people want to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die, but everybody wants to go to heaven. And heaven is God's home. So, people want to go to God's home but they don't want to get to know God. So it's his home. So it's, it's a bit like you. Would you open up your doors to your home and just invite any and everybody in? Or not even invite. You don't, you know, just open the doors and people just flood in. And nobody actually turns to you and says, oh, hello. You know, no, no, I'm not going to acknowledge you. I'll come into your house and eat all your food and enjoy and have a jolly old time. But the relationship with you, no, that's not necessary. I don't need that. I don't need that in my life. I've got a mortgage. I've got a job. got the kids to look after. Bills to pay. Brexit, whatever, I don't know. All of these concerns we can have in our lives. But my question to you is, what's more important to you? Your concerns or Jesus? And it's not easy. You know, I think sometimes as Christians, we, we don't do ourselves any justice because... For, for one, people outside of these walls tend to think of us as hypocrites, which some of us are. I can raise my hand up to say I was. The other thing is, is that we come across as holier than thou, as if, you know, we've never committed a sin in our lives, God forbid. And even if we did, we're not going to tell anybody because, oh, they might look at us differently. Well, to be honest, I, I really don't care what people think of me. As a matter of fact, I'd rather be look like an idiot if people can be drawn to Christ by my testimony. 
I don't care who knows what I did in my past because that's my past. Paul likes to refer to, to athletics a lot. He could have been Jamaican. Because we love athletics in Jamaica. And it's like running a race. I mean, we're, we're more sprinters as opposed to marathon runners. But the point is, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. It's how you finish a race. You can start off great and you can be blazing down the track. You can be, you know, as it were, in tight with God. And then all of a sudden, you start dropping off and you start getting a little bit cold. And the spiritual life is going downward. We're not praying as much as we used to. Yeah, we still go to church and we still put our money in the collection plate. And we still all, we do all of those bits. But, you know, our, our running is becoming a little bit more, maybe less so, more a walk. Maybe even stop. Don't know. But the point is, it's not how you start, but how you finish. That's what the Bible says. It's not me. Look it up for yourself. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. So, John says, flee from the wrath to come. We are called. You, me, each one of us. Don't think that, you know, your, your position, your calling in life is just to sit there. No. Each one of us, when we have the Holy Spirit, and if you don't have the Holy Spirit, please see me or Gary after service. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit and given gifts to bless each other. It's not my personal gift for me to keep by myself or to make money with. It is to bless you. And you bless me. And I have been blessed, people. I have seen God answer prayer in some amazing ways. And to be honest, I'm disappointed because I feel we can do so much more. Let me tell you something. In Maidstone, I don't have a church like this to preach in. None of them. Going around the circuit, none of them are like this. I'm amazed. This is lovely. More often than not, when I'm preaching, I, I don't have a quarter of the people that are in here. But it's not about numbers. One of the things that I have found a tremendous blessing over the years is beginning to meet with people. And I share this with you. A long time ago, I had, I had a dream, I had a desire in my heart that I wanted to be able to share. I wanted essentially to be accountable to somebody else. I wanted, yeah, an accountability partner. And what God provided for me in due time was what we call a huddle group. And what that is, is essentially just a group of people meeting together 
being honest and open about what we're going through. So, you know, I don't know if any of you are familiar with Wesley's old class system and some of the, the questions that Wesley um, put across in those classes. If you, haven't, if you haven't heard of it, look it up on Google. And then ask yourselves, how would I fare if I was in Wesley's day and I was part of a class meeting? Because he's asking, you know, what sins have you committed in the past week? How fares your soul? You know, it's not the sort of thing that we tend to do in, you know, polite church society where, you know, we sit around, have tea and biscuits and, you know, how are you? Oh, the kids are fine. No, we're talking some deep stuff. We're not, not superficial. In, right in there. The hard questions. And as part of that group, We've shared, we've cried with each other, we've prayed for each other, and we have grown. We have grown spiritually, and that is what matters. Far too often in the church, we get our salvation, and we get our ticket to heaven, and then we sit there and wait for the train. And in the Bible, Jesus says, you, you've got a cross to carry. But we don't like that. We don't want to carry a cross. We don't want the pain. We don't want the suffering. And even though Jesus is saying it, we just skip around that verse and go for all the blessings and the, yeah, all the good stuff. Well, I'll tell you the truth. You will not grow until you are and embracing the suffering. Embrace the suffering. Because in those times, I, look, I'm telling you the truth. I have grown more when I have suffered. And I have suffered. I'm still suffering now. I might not look it, but I'm suffering. But, but what I have found, what I have learned... From Jesus, as Jesus has, has uh, ministered to me, is worth everything, absolutely everything. And when you've experienced that, nothing else compares. So, we started this huddle group. From that we started a Bible study, reading through the whole Bible, every page, even Leviticus, even Leviticus. We're having a hard time with some of those names, but we're still giving it a go. That's led to a men's group. And let me tell you, guys, this men's group is not like any men's group I've ever been a part of. Tell you that. Yeah, we, we, share, we share some of our deepest, darkest secrets in there. And we, we help to bring each other through. We're like warriors shielding each other, fighting for each other. And when we pray, let me tell you, I don't know if this is your experience, but our, our men's group starts at 8 o'clock, sometimes 8.30 if we're starting late. And it's not uncommon for us to finish at 12 o'clock. 
And you kind of wonder, what are we doing in all that time? Well, I tell you, we're not talking about the economy. Out of that men's group, we've been challenged to start a midweek service, which actually the first one is going to be this Thursday. And we don't know if anybody is going to come. We don't know what's going to happen, but the one thing we are mindful is this. We want for that service to be totally led by the Holy Spirit. And if, and if you know, it, it's a matter that, you know, God says, don't do that, do this, then that's going to be our aim. We want, because this is what we believe. We believe when God is involved, when the Holy Spirit is involved, he can't go wrong. And on top of that, people will not get religion, they will get Jesus. And if they get Jesus, then their lives will be changed forever, just like my life was changed 20 years ago. And that wasn't because of some outreach or anything. It was because somebody preached the truth. And I listened. And I didn't sit there and do nothing. I chose to follow Jesus. And that's what we're all being called to do. So, in Maidstone, we've been praying for 2020 to be a year of revival. We've been praying. We've been fasting. That's what we desire. That's what we long for. We long for young people to come and get involved in, in our church. But long, the young people have disappeared. And it's, it's interesting because um, as I was meeting with, with the guys this morning and just hearing about, you know, how, you know, in years gone by, how many young people used to be here. That's common across so many places where the glory of the previous temple, as it were, the glory of the previous meetings where you had lots of young people and the church was filled and all that sort of stuff seems to have dwindled away a little bit and the fire seems to have gone a little cold. But we're praying for it to start up again. And not to start up again, we want it to blaze. We, I mean, we're talking people getting burned up here. In a spiritual sense, of course. You know. So, my challenge to you this morning, each and every one of you, As you covenant with God for this new year, challenge yourself. If God has given you a dream or a vision, pray into it. Get into a group of people that, that will support you and pursue it. If you find yourself getting a little bit on the cold side, don't, 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 don't go there. Please, don't. Because ultimately, you'll regret it. However, one of my favorite verses growing up was, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And all other things, everything, everything will be added to you. But 
Even if everything wasn't, I wouldn't care about that. That's not my aim. My aim is to know Jesus more and more. I want more. There's a song that goes, um, set a fire. That says, um, set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more. I want more. I want more. I want more. It is my prayer that each and every one of us we want more of God this year and forever how many days we've got. I think I've said enough now. I'll turn, I'll turn back over to Gary, but may God bless you. And, and just know you are the children of God. And as, uh, just, just on this, this last little point, I just want to share this with you. My little daughter who I came here with, she's taught me a lot of things. But one thing that, that really touches me as a, as a dad is the fact that she loves me. And she's not afraid to show it. She clings to me. I'm actually surprised she went to the Sunday school. I thought she was going to be here hanging on to my leg. But that is the type of relationship we are being called into with God. For us to cling to him. For us to love him to that extent. And that relationship, for those of us who are into relationships, requires three things. Not just service, us doing things for each other. But it also calls for communication and intimacy. With those three things, you can experience God as never before. So, God bless you. So we just give you give thanks for for Alma and Julian's uh, uh, sharing with us this morning for Alma's testimony about what God's done in the midst of struggle. Also that that Julian finding strength in the midst of of struggle and God being closer to him. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, in the sense of struggle, it's amazing how God shapes us and molds us and creates us. That even more the pressure, even the pressure comes on. All God's does in the midst of the pressure is shape us and make us more like Christ. So. In the midst of suffering, we grow stronger and mightier in God. And we say to the enemy, no more, because we've become more like Christ and shaped by him. You think of all the things that come with brokenness, all the things that come with sadness, all the things that come with loneliness, all the things that come with not having enough, not being near the people that you love and just being in a dry place. I came here as a student. I was at university. There was so much pressure. Um, But I learned to trust God. I learned to, to... to, to remind myself of all the things that I have been taught. Amen. All the things that were sowed in me. All the promises that were made that I didn't take seriously. And I grew up trusting God. And I tell you from step by step, every stage that you get a challenge, he reveals more 
of his greatness. The greater the challenges, the greater his power, the greater his strength, the greater his grace. I just stand here with the word that he has given me. This morning he said to me, and this is a word for you all, his grace is going to be sufficient for you all in 2020. His power is only made perfect in our weaknesses when we are low, when we are broken. In November past, November 2019, I was convicted here in this church. Um, And God asked me, because I've always wanted to say or speak, but I've always been timid or feeling not worthy enough or not adequate enough. But he convicted me and said, I'm sending you. And Gary stood here just after that happened and said, he will give you the words to say. And I took it up and I ran with it. What I didn't know is that just round the corner, a greater challenge was waiting for me and my family. Uh, We were broken, we were hurt, but he stood by and his peace was just what we needed. And we stand today victorious because God is king, because he is Lord. And that is what I just want everybody to know that as you enter and as we begin 2020, whatever the challenge that may come, he is God. Whatever it is, his power can be made perfect in our weaknesses. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Jesus. Let's, just, let's just pray for you, you and Ned. Let's just pray. Let's just pray for, for Ned and Alma. Let's just hold our hands out and just, just pray for them and ask God's blessing upon them. Father, we just pray your blessing upon this family, Lord. We, we pray that the, the lies of the devil, Lord, the, the activity of the devil within their lives will be broken and that the enemy will be shattered before them, that the glory and presence of God will be upon this family and move upon them and and bring release and freedom, Lord. We thank you for the faith that they have in you, and we pray increase that faith in Jesus' name, Lord. Bring new boundaries, new new victories, new prosperities, new opportunities, Lord. Release them as seeds into your kingdom, Lord, that as they planted, they will be fruitful and a blessing to this church and their community and their families, Lord, that you will grow them and multiply them and that they will be a blessing and bring glory to your name, Father. We thank you that you're part of our church, part of our community here, Lord, and we pray that we continue to pray for them, Lord, through the challenges and difficulties that they will be strengthened and that they will overcome because God's grace is sufficient for us all. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you both.